0: What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun.
1: Hello everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at nfl on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by B2L buddies. It's at IT Hedgehog. It's Mr. Jones. And also back on the podcast and it's a it's a long time coming Andy it's at Pooley Shrew the hashtag draft guru how's it going boys
0: I'm good Steve very very well other than, other, 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 other than the fact that my my bins have gone flying down the road a few minutes ago I'm good
1: and how are you rectifying that situation
0: Peter my wife has gone down the road chasing <laughs> after them Steve. Oh, and here
1: I was sitting there thinking you were a gentleman all along and your poor wife is running down the road but as we say packers before everything so uh... Uh,
0: well at, at least that was her excuse for going outside in the pouring rain <laughs> I, mean, no, to... <laughs> I don't know i've not seen her since so. it goes
1: to show though that uh, there, we have a very select listenership for this podcast she is not one of them she would rather chase bins down the road in the pouring rain uh, so that's good hopefully the rest of the listeners don't feel feel the same andy davies you well you good
2: good evening chaps how are you
1: how's the health Andy are you all good are you, are you fighting fit or have you got any ailments yeah I missed the combine yeah.
2: I wasn't 100% fit so I've no. left myself off the list and um, yeah for a bit of recuperation
1: is that because me and Pete were bashing you around and you felt that you got a tweak and some injury and you had to leave or
2: no I think it's a combination of that to be honest
1: <laughs> hurt, hurt feelings you have to put you on IOR. Um, <laughs> yeah before we get into Jackie Polite uh, I have to kick it off because sometimes I let it go on too long he- the Packers limerick right lads I'm going to try to keep this um, concise non filthy so let me know what you think yeah, as you can hear the diddly Irish music in the background here right let me get my Irish lilta it's time for a pot on the draft where Andy and Pete ply their craft Packers needs we will sort but we'll try keep it short like a massage visit by old Robert Kraft <laughs> that I, I heard lads it was like what, what is it in the news stories? 14 minutes Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the less said about that, the better. It's all alleged at the moment.
2: Yeah, I was going to say. I hope you know some good solicitors. <laughs> <laughs> I just Mr. I could... Gillette's on his way as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: might be the fastest shave you've ever had. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. It's nice knowing the you, best lads. The man me... can get. <laughs> 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 right. I'll, I'll try. I'll try redo that again with alleged in there somewhere. It's all alleged. He's pressed charges after denying it. Let me just put that out there. Um. There says said, Steve, he has yeah. bigger
2: problems afoot than you, that's, that's <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's listening to the UK Packers podcast, but <laughs> you never know.
2: You never say that, though, Steve. Though, it's about 18 months ago, we were talking about running backs on the podcast, and there was a free agent guy, and I, I, his name escapes me right now, but he was a free agent back. I think he filled in for about one and a half games, Pete Orno, no doubt. He um, He's blocked me on Twitter, so we obviously do have a listening audience bigger than you think.
1: Holy
2: so, I, I've never mentioned him in passing at all on any sort of social network. The only time I've ever mentioned his name was on the podcast. Is and this he blocked? Van, Danny Vitali, is it? No, no. It was about 18 months ago. It was, ooh, was it? So not last season, the season before. We had a free agent running back that sort of filled the hole for about a game and a half.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Peter can look it up by the end of the pod and we'll figure it
1: out because <laughs> <laughs> you would know the name Andy but he's blocked you from but um, how did you realise did, did you need to go on and, and follow him and sort of see what he's all about and then realise he hates you And I don't know what it he was he,
2: somebody had commented on something and he was tagged in and I thought who's that it was obviously one of those names that doesn't necessarily relate to the player mm. and when I went on it just said you are blocked from following this chap and I was like oh, that's a bit of an odd one and then I thought I said, trace back you always trace back your steps on you. Step I was like yeah, podcast 2017. Didn't say he was very good. But... <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, that's
2: amazing. i tell you who it was, Steve. Don Jackson. Don Jackson. Yeah, that's who it
1: was. Oh. Holy jeez! and we had, yeah, he was, do you know what, he's very active on Twitter, maybe he did know about us, because we put out a meme that says Don Jackson showing up to the running back room, and it was a guy just coming into an empty room, because they <laughs> kind of let everybody else go, and he seemed to enjoy it, because he liked it at the time, but maybe he was right. like, do yeah. you know what he did, he, he saw that, he was like, actually these lads, you know, they include me, and you know, no one else is talking about me, he listens to the first podcast ever, and you're like, ah, he's a bit shite, he's <laughs> like, oh, no, for God's sake, there goes my oh, career.
2: Dude. oh. hurt his feelings
1: but it is a badge of pride to be blocked by certain people like if you're not blocked by Richard Sherman and you're a Packers fan like are you alive you know what I mean (laughs) you know what I mean people should send in who they've been blocked by
2: Um, you should copy him in on that simulcast from today's combine where they showed the sprints <laughs> you know, that's what, yeah, Dash, he's, he's 17 behind, 17 yards behind that sideline.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a, it's just everyone else was finished and it's just the picture still there. I was like is the video over? <laughs> no, no, wait for it. Wait for yeah.
2: it. They had to extend the picture. Didn't they? it had to fill page, didn't it? Fit page. It <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they, they didn't have him coming in slower than Rich Eisen though, surely.
1: Oh, Rich Yeah, Rich Eisen and ups, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. I think
0: it was I think it was close. <laughs>
1: So here's here's the opinion, lad. So we we spend so much time on the combine, and and you, lads seem to be able to analyze the college players. Pete, you had the series on the UK blog where you went into like just an extensive list of players. And Andy, um, when you've been doing these sort of draft podcasts now for years, you've come up with some really seance uh mystic meg style stuff where you've been talking about running backs and players being let go and you're only talking in pre-prod there about the fact that you you pop back and had to listen to the last one and you were sort of pulling apart who you did predict and some of the stuff was pretty wild to the extent that you know i continuously ask you for the lot of numbers um so with bodious having such in-depth knowledge I suppose, Andy, first you and then Pete, maybe if you want to weigh in on it. When it comes to the combine and, and like this whole Rich Eisen thing about, you know, how fast can you run the 40-yard dash and all the rest of it, we've seen some people run some pretty ridiculous times, but how much does any of this actually matter and like because and again uh, this is a like my five minute question but like you look at players like russell wilson and tom brady's and all this sort of crap you know all these players that were like oh and they have this chip on their shoulder because they slipped down through because they didn't do that well and they're sort of seen as outliers is any of this combine tests um, indicative of what the player is going to become. And if you've seen any really obvious ones where this has sort of, you know, f- fell apart, and you're kind of like, it was in no way predictive of how it's supposed to turn out.
2: Well, for me, it's just a rubber stamp. It's not a, it's not a be-all and end-all. Um, if you've seen, you watched the full season of college football, and you've got twelve games on tape or fourteen games on tape, that's who the player is more likely to be. It's not going to be the guy running up and down Indianapolis in a pair of shorts, <laughs> albeit. But. Albeit a tight fit and fairly short. Um, <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> so, so don't don't let it distract you. I think it just confirms things that you know. Yeah. I think in some cases it elevates draft position for players that you know. Um, for some of the more astute ball clubs, it helps them. So you know, in this case, I guess it's uh, I don't know. Take the, the example of tight end, for example. Um, you know, Noah Fant was always going to test off the charts. Yeah. Because of the athlete he is, he's always going to test off the charts. But if you look at the tape, you know, depending on what you want and depending on where your need is, he's probably the more explosive of it too. But Hawkinson's probably a better all-round tight end, but probably doesn't quite test as well. And maybe that might be reflective in their draft position. But if you're asking me, I'm going to take either because they're both quality players. But for me, I'd still go with my eyes from the 12 games over the season as opposed to what's going on in Indianapolis. Yeah. It's good fun. I just think it's like a game of poker unfold, isn't it? It's... um. It's great fun to watch, but all, all that's really happened is the first two cards have been put down. You know, you've got the first, you know, individual testing, if you like, and they all have their pro days now. You've got a season of work or a body of work over a full course of a season or two to look at, uh, and now over the next sort of three to four weeks, there'll be several one-to-one interviews. There'll be several more cards that fall into place before you really have to sort of think about where you want to draft and who you want to draft and how you want to go about your business. Yeah. So it's, it's good fun. It's it's good fun. It's a bit of fun, isn't it? I don't take it too seriously, to be honest. I think it, they've made a lot out of something which is in essence a few drills, isn't it? Really. So.
0: Yeah, I'm sitting here, violently nodding my head in agreement. I think that I, th- I think ideally the teams would use it to prove what they already know, or, mm. what, or what they already think they know. You know, and they, and they, and they've been watching these guys in a lot of cases, watching them from the point that they're seniors in high school, all the way through college, and. And stuff. So, I think in most cases, it's a little bit of a tick in the box exercise. You know, we've scouted this guy. We've got reams and reams on the, on on this guy. Is what we've just seen at the combine pretty much prove what we thought we already knew? You know, so so you're ticking the box. It's really where you, where you get something that's a complete outlier for 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 whatever reason. Um, so you know, a guy, a wide receiver, for example, suddenly runs. like john ross did a couple of years ago yeah it doesn't necessarily mean that he's suddenly a first round draft pick or he's this or he's that but if you've never seen that speed on tape it's going to beg a question you know and and as andy quite rightly alludes to you know you've then got the pro dates coming back you're going to revisit that and you're probably going to re go back and look at that tape again to see actually is there something that we've missed there but, it's, but I think it's no more than that. I think it's, you know, in 90% of the cases, I would imagine that that kind of number, that, that it's about proving what you already know or, you know, ticking that box. I'll say one
2: thing, Steve. I'll tell you one thing that really pisses me off. Mm. <laughs> Is that you sit there and watch 12 games all season you've got four or five sleepers so the likes of your Max Sharpings and your Gary Johnsons and your Kaylen um, Saunders, and they come out of the... The combine and perform up to the world is, and they're no longer sleeping. now <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the whole world knows about you. And what was originally a fourth or fifth round pick is suddenly become a second or a third round pick. Yeah, that was.
1: It's like one of those things, isn't it? It's like those shows where they write the answer on a piece of paper. You almost want to say, "I've written them down," so you know, screw you, <laughs> I had it. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like, oh yeah, of course you had it, yeah, like every other analyst out there. But it's a bit totally. bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's right what you're saying, lads. Is that um. I guess it would make you ponder, right, if you have some guy, like you say, Andy, he's sort of a sleeper, you know about him, and this like grades off the charts, and then you go back and look at his game tape, and you're kind of like, Jesus, this guy probably wasn't shining because of the system he was in, he's not suited to that, and especially when you look on the likes of the O-line and the D-line, you're kind of thinking, maybe they weren't playing in the systems that they were supposed to play in, he's better as... You know, whatever, and I guess it, it sort of makes you ponder, and that kind of struck me. Uh, now, again, I'm, I famously hate mock drafts. <laughs> it's like you're taking the piss out of me on Twitter, Andy. It's just I can't stand the mock drafts. I like the way we do them when we we look into the packer specific one and we look at the sort of you know array of players that could be potential there and weigh up all the options. But an interesting one that actually came up uh, in the in the combine for me and it's sort of outside of all of the drills and I know we kind of bear, we sort of touched on this before uh, but didn't go too deep into Was the likes of the sort of off field stuff with the likes of Jackie Polite the fact that this guy's coming out with really curious comments about teams bashing him and they were like well how did it go and he makes it sound like they put coins in a sock and took him out the back and fragged them with them. you know he's <laughs> kind of like and it's like okay millennial just calm down they ask you a few tricky questions that's a job interview for you you know um, but in fairness to the guy because that's what we've what we've heard in the past. Anytime we've sort of interviewed players, I heard players talk in the media, and they talk about their kind of you know their draft, their combine stuff, and the whole run up to the draft. They always go like, "Oh Jesus, it's like a marathon." Like not only do they have to do their drills and all that, that's kind of the least they worry about because they're going to be grilled by teams, especially the top prospects who are quarterbacks. And then the medical stuff is that they're they're poking at them like they're you know. Uh, test subjects and, and kind of prodding at them but the interesting thing about jackie polite is coming out saying teams are bashing him and then all of this stuff about him packing up his bags and he has injuries and all the rest like as much as the physical stuff like you're saying is just kind of the icing on top of the cake do we put too much stock andy in the likes of a, of a bad attitude or someone who comes out with curious comments like jackie polite does it really matter at the end of the day how much of a team player that they're going to be at the end of it all
2: uh, well for me i think if he was the only Outside pass rusher in the draft that was worthy of a sort of first or second round grade, then you'd probably overlook a lot of it. But the fact of the matter is that there's quite a deep crop this year, so he's probably hurt his draft stock based on the last sort of forty-eight hours. To be honest, yeah. Now he's got a he's oh. got three or four weeks to sort of make that better. But he's um, he's up against some stiff competition this year, um, particularly as you look at the you know top fifty, which is a big difference in in cash. So um, it, it depends on circumstance, doesn't it? I don't think he helped himself. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm I, I'm in violent agreement with with that, with the exact point that Andy says because there's a lot of them that 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 probably all over the you know the 32 teams they probably don't have much to choose on their draft boards between Polite, Burns, Sweat, perhaps Cleveland Ferrell, you know four five six of those guys. There's not a lot potentially to choose between them. So I think anything that where a player does himself a disservice is 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 not a good thing in that particular situation. Yeah. You know, it's quite possible that that off the back of, as Andy says, the forty-eight hours that have just gone, you know, he's dropped to the bottom of those five, six, seven players. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that come the pro days, further interviews, further testing, that actually he doesn't start moving back up. You know, this this isn't this isn't a guy that we can we can write off by any stretch of the imagination. But in his situation, it's not done him the world of good
1: yeah true too I mean because we've seen the likes of what Gudekunst was pulling last year where he felt it was quite okay to you know give away the draft pick move down and try move back up again because it was so many players that were similar um so yeah it it is a real outlier if you look at someone like him who's coming up with this attitude problem stuff but I think one of the most intriguing thing that comes out of this week is is the fact that how much um access that we have to Brian Gudekunst and Mark Murphy Um, and Matt LaFleur and then all of the agent sightings that have been going around and I think what's important for the Packers at this stage is is that cap space uh, which we all know Peter um, that you've been getting sort of uh, violently ill over the fact that people keep coming up with different figures and we see stuff being bantied about like that the cap space is going to go up by 10 million or maybe even more uh, this year and that brings our attention to the players that we currently have that we could let go that we might get some some cap space for one of those is nick perry now he's after coming out and i think this is according to rob domofsky saying that he wouldn't be surprised if the packers declined to pay his roster bonus um on march 15 so that's just around the corner and that he doesn't know if the packers are just going to cut him, move on um or try restructure his contract um peter how do you feel about nick perry and do you think that the money is a deciding factor for him? The fact that they're going to save 7.3 million if they cut him, that could be, you know, graciously used somewhere else. Is he seeing as, as good as gone now or is it still early doors?
0: I, I think the odds are in favor of him being gone. Um, just simply because I think if you get to this point, you know, a few days, 10 days, 12 days before his roster bonus is due and, and you're asked a specific question, you know is he coming back and you're still not answering in the positive even if it's not a negative answer you're not answering the positive I think I think that that's a big pointer to the fact he's not coming back. Um and I and I and I think it's a I think it's a combination of factors. I think it's it's has to be on the pl- on the you know on the on the field play when he's on the field, which isn't hasn't been too often in the last two years. Um, but it's on the on the field play at that cost mm. so it's all about it's all about what value you're getting for the 14.4 million cap number that, that that he's due in 2019 and that's that's a lot of that's a lot of money for a player that you know hasn't really performed the last couple of years
1: yeah and andy how do you feel about uh nick perry and with the sightings of david dunn and all of the sort of the swirling rumors around clay matthews like, where do you sit with bringing back Perry and Matthews? Would you be happy to see them both leave? Would you be happy to see Matthews go no matter how much of a cut deal that he's going to take, even if he would
2: I think it's uh, someone posed a question today and said when's the last time watching all these guys run four four forties when 's the last time either Claire Matthews or Nick Perry would be able to do a five second forty? Mm. I thought that was quite <laughs> quite a good analogy to be honest. They just haven 't got that foot speed anymore mm. uh, and to fit in the three four defense, you know you need that speed you need that sort of flexibility um diversity to be able to cover out the backfield as well as rush the passer and for the for the investment that's going to require to bring them both back in um if they need someone to drive them elsewhere then i'm i'm ready and available i can get the two feet <laughs> in the back of my car I'll, I'll, I'll take the baby seat out and i can get a few more in the boot as well if it needs to be um i'm not precious about keeping anybody but to, the people i would like to keep along uh the likes of Isaiah Campbell, who, who who briefly sort of stunted with the Packers last year, and maybe he's taking a shot with Muhammad Wilkerson on the D line, just because we're already strong there. And if it's one less place to draft from, then that fills a sort of need, if you like, as a bit of a stopgap. Um, but after that, yeah, it's clean house for me. I think that's we've been in that situation last year. I thought when we drafted last year, we were cleaning house, mm. and it was a two-year project minimum. Um, and that's where we're at for me.
1: Yeah, I still think this team is in development, but I don't think you make the play, Sandy, because there's rumours, and this is breaking news on the podcast. There's been a sighting of a woman running after some bins, and she's shown some absolute <laughs> straight line speed. Um, so she's in the role, and they're just trying to figure, figure out what her name is. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys know uh, let us know. Uh, but uh, Ibrahim Campbell at safety, I uh, have to agree there. I thought he was outstanding last year, and he really stood out for me. But I know this is going to come as a shock, lads. But Devon House is rumored not to be coming back, um, so I think we <laughs> might pause the podcast here, have a weep, um, and then come back on and try finish it off. So say, Peter, is there any lad out there that you're looking at who's who you think potentially won't get franchise tagged? Uh, that because and the reason I ask it is is because Goodacons is coming out and there's rumors circulating, and we love the rumors, you know, especially the nameless ones, um, that we're going to sort out edge rusher in free agency and then just sort of add to that in the draft is that some sort of BS bargaining chip notion or do you think that will actually come to fruition because is there enough talent out there for us actually to be in that position
0: so I think that, I think there's a lot of talent in the in the in the pass rushing edge rusher position in free in free agency you know and you're, and you're right the top two, three four of those potentially get get tagged but I, but, but, but there's still a lot of a lot of talent out there um, you know Trey Flowers, Dante Fowler, almost certainly won't get tagged, and you know those are guys that I would expect the Packers to be certainly in the running for having conversations with, um, and hopefully get one of those one of those types of guys. Mm. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's quite a few at the at, at, at the edge at the edge Russia. At the edge, Russia spot. I mean, you'd, you'd expect like the likes of Lawrence and Clowney and and, and Frank Clark probably to get to get tagged, but um, Trey Flowers. We know that D. Ford is is getting tagged, um, but yeah, Trey, Trey Flowers, um, Dante Fowler, Isadarius um, Smith at Baltimore. There's quite a few of those guys, and I think that I think the Packers have to make a play for one of those guys. They they have the cap space to do it and I think they and I think they need to do it and I think that then sets your position for the for the draft as well.
1: And mm. Andy, do you think this is a sound thing to do? I mean, if we if so one of those players is available, do you think that we have a chance to bag them? And do you think that we should even potentially overpay if that's what it comes to for one of these players or trust their draft process?
2: Um, no trade. Definitely no trades. Yeah. Um and I have a short list of two. I have Zedarius Smith, number one. Yeah. And Zazaria Smith, number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weird, um, after, same, after same that, name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I like Trey Boston at safety Yeah. Uh, after that. Yep. Uh, I just think if you, if you fall in love with someone, go after them, pay them money, pay the price, make them feel special, get them in for a visit, make them sign before they leave. None of this sort of in the conversation because if I hear that quote one more time, I'm going to scream. <laughs> um, and let's get on with the draft process because if you've got an edge rusher with a bit of experience but has, has got unlimited potential. And, and I think he got 10 sacks in in Baltimore's defence last year. Uh, and you've got Trey Boston, who's an experienced safety, but again, has a high ceiling in terms of potential to improve further, then you, you bring them in. Because when you look at some of the edge rushes on the free agent market, they're all upwards, you know, approaching 30 years old. And it's a bit like the running back position for me. It often is a short shelf life. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's some elite athletes that, that do do it. Um, the James Harrisons of this world, but it, I think it's a tough, it's a tough ask on the body, isn't it? Um, and I think we've got plenty of young defensive backs, and I think we need an experienced head at the back of the end there, just to just to steady the ship.
1: So outlandish scenario: if a player like Javine Clowney or someone for for God knows what reason someone loses their head, um, and they don't franchise tag one of these players, and and chance the fact that he could be stolen away in the in the same sort of thing as now Khalil Mack obviously was sort of a trade right but if one of these players was available and you had to pay him a blockbuster contract do the should the Packers go for it and should that involve any of our first round or both first round draft picks to try and land some no definitely not off the table well
2: well the, the, the second reason for that is a don't give up your draft collateral it's just a just a bad idea. And secondly, although we've got plenty of cap space, which is relative to the Packers, but in real terms, there's so many teams out there with far much more cap space than we have. So in terms of the Arsenal, we'd have to sort of offer up you know those huge contracts that would take to bring somebody in. Then it's just not going to. I just don't see any way, anyway. I just don't see it's going to happen. And then you've got a Rod's contract to think about, haven't you? It's it's you know, yeah. it's a it's a it's a weight round your shoulders. So there's only so many of those you can dish out. Um, I would rather go for the, for the higher tier not quite the elite tier but certainly in terms of Smith and Boston I think you're getting two guys that are just below the sort of elite class that you would describe the clownies as well but that would do me absolutely fabulous.
1: And what about you Peter is there anybody out there that you think if they were available that we should sort of pull out all the stops for and looking back at that Kylian trade. Would you sort of say, knowing what we know about him now, is that the Packers should have been more aggressive to try pursue him at the time?
0: Not for me. No. So, 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 so I, I'm, I'm a great believer. So, I'm a great believer in hanging on to the draft, hanging on to your, your draft picks. Yeah. Um, particularly when you're talking also about paying a player, you know, in, in Max' case, twenty, twenty-one million a year or whatever it is. You've got a double whammy there, and I think that's too much of a, of a mortgaging the future in terms of both salary cap that, that you can never get out from under because you're paying a huge signing bonus and, and, and the draft picks that you're giving away. If for whatever reason that player doesn't, doesn't work out, you know, you've hamstrung yourself probably the team for the next five years. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with Andy around um, Smith and, um, and Boston. I like Boston as well as the safety. Um, and you're looking at those guys. I mean, you're probably looking at, at getting Smith for around the nine ten million $10 million a year mark. And, and boston slightly less than that probably seven eight million a year um which actually means you've probably got the got the space if those were the two that you were able to get you've got the space to go after another one around that seven eight million mark as well um which could be another could be another could be another safety could be another um another ed, edge rusher a second a second tier edge rusher so, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in total agreement with that. I mean, you know, the likes of Clowney, if they were to hit the open market, you're talking about 19, 20 million dollars a year. And, and that that's way too much for, for my liking.
1: And Andy, do you think we're in trouble if we don't do anything in free agency? Because I hear all of these quotes saying, oh, we're going to be aggressive. We're definitely going to end up with someone or we end up with nobody. <laughs> it's kind of like, all right, lads, pick a side. Jesus Christ, don't get splinters on your arse. Um, sitting on the fence there do we have to go after somebody and if so how many players do you think that we do go after in free agency that would sort of you know hold that up as we've done enough
2: I think the two positions we've talked about are the two mm. two key positions I think you can add offensive line to that yeah um, I would like to see a quality guard come in but maybe you should get that through the draft but uh, it's 50-50 isn't it but for me I would like to see definitely a safety um, I think edge rush is the priority And Darius Smith would be the priority for me Um, I think an offensive lineman would be useful and then it depends on wide receiver there's there's plenty of people in the draft that I like but it's got to be the top end this year we can't be going getting six, seven round picks and expecting Mm. automatic productivity from them guys so if there's somebody in the free agent market that's going to work out of the slot and it's not Randall Cobb um, whether it's someone like Adam Humphreys or, or the guy from Dallas then then maybe that's an option as well, um, which would then take away the need in the draft. But we've got so many holes to fill, still, haven't we? You've got a lot of holes. Now, it just depends. I think two, three would would do us right. It's not about the quantity for me. It's more about the quality.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah I, 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 yeah, I think if you look, if you can get three guys in the eight to ten million a year range, because that's kind of where the Packers cap number in reality really is, you know as long as they're the right quality for that kind of money and you, you, you know, you have to kind of trust that they, that they would be. So so a Boston, a Smith, Adam Humphries, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, this, you know, I, I absolutely agree with that. And and I think you can almost look at any position on the Packers roster and say, it's not a hundred percent set. Hmm. I was going to say you could look at them and there's holes everywhere, but that's unfair. They're, 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 <laughs> it's they're, like cheese, it's, cheese heads. They're not. It's there's not. You know, there isn't one position where you could say actually I don't need to look at upgrading that position. So if one of the guys was was there late in the free agent process for for whatever reason that you might get him on a discounted discounted value, then then you've got to look at those guys as well. Um, but you know, you're looking at almost. Almost any position. So I, I, you know, I would, I would truly expect that the Packers are beginning having serious conversations with five, six, seven, eight players, their agents, in, in in the hope of ending up with two or three of those. I really so I really agree by the way about the wide receiver position. I I'm worried about the wide receiver position. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, while Adams while Adams is is fit and playing to the level he's playing at, it looks good. If Adams was could, was to go down with an ACL in game one, all of a sudden you're basically relying on last year's last year's rookies, and it doesn't look too clever. Yeah, you know that's not to say that those guys can't play, and they're not going to get they're not going to get better. And certainly MVS and, and 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 EQ showed a lot of a lot of potential for rookies last year, mm. but it's a heck of a lot to put on their shoulders if Adams were to go down.
1: Yeah, now the only thing I would say about that is we've seen in the media that Robert Tanya's working out with George Kittle, which means he will be <laughs> George Kittle. So, I mean, that's the type of off-season reporting that we're seeing, um, which is flawless logic. Um, so, Andy, if I could circle back uh, to you just on the wide receiver position. <laughs> I hope that these I these reporters actually listen to the podcast. Um, but they know. They know. Um but Andy, just um, circling back to the wide receiver, because it's it's a good point that um, that Peter raises. And one thing that always stands out to me, um, apart from the fact that uh, you are from back to the future and you're kind of taking the piss out of us now at this stage um, with some of your predictions and picks, is that when we spoke about Geronimo Allison, I was pretty high on him and I, and I liked the way he operated. Uh, you weren't convinced. Now, going on last season, there wasn't a whole lot to go on with him. But do you think from, you know, look... Andy, his nickname is Gmo to Aaron Rodgers, so that must mean he's the de facto number two. Are you convinced with that, or do you fully expect MVS and ESP, um, and any other type of sort of you know shortened name or an acronym to overtake Gmo um, in the upcoming season? Um, is Jory still out on him for you?
2: Uh, he, he, yeah, he, he he performed better than I thought he would at the start of the season. To be fair, um, it, it's just his vertical speed for me. I just like players that stretch the field. Mm. And I think you're only as good as your fourth wide receiver. Um, and I've always said, for although he's not my, he's not a fan favorite of mine. I think as a number four, he's he's sort of serviceable. But 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 you move him up the draft, move sorry, move him up the depth chart to sort of two and three, and I think it it's a bit of a struggle. Um, more indictment of the people that play behind him, I suppose. But I think with um, Brown and Jamon Moore, I think we will come on next year as well. I think you'll get a little bit more out of him. I thought Baldur Scantlin flashed some real serious ability as well. Um, We don't know what we've got with Coomer yet, do we? We still don't know if we're any closer to him being a slot solution or not. I would just like to see one more added to the mix, whether it's a high draft pick or whether it's a free agent. Um, My preference would be a high draft pick. I think there's no point going for another sixth or seventh rounder, which is a bit more of a project, and you might get five or ten catches out of it. There's no point. We've got those people already on the roster, and, and we might as well give those a go. I think there's two or three guys at the top of the boards, maybe it's round two. Which has been a famously successful round for the Packers in wide receiver terms. That that, that I would be, um, I'll be taking a punt at definitely. The likes of um, well, i have fallen in love with Debo Samuel. I thought he was awesome before the combine and after the combine. I think he's even better. I thought he stood out. I, there's a lot of hype around Paris Campbell and obviously DK Metcalf was just you know stunning. Yeah. Um, but for me, Debo Samuel for what we need and what Aaron Rodgers I think would thrive on. Is somebody who is a great hands catcher. He's sharp in and out of his cuts. He's a strong receiver. And he would work the middle of the field superbly for me. Um, So he's my number one. I thought AJ Brown had a good combine as well, but he was excellent. And then there's a couple of other guys. Uh, Obviously, Riley Ridley, who's Calvin Ridley's brother. Um, And I also thought Anthony Johnson, who was another sleeper. He's from Buffalo. Um, He played well at a smaller... College, uh, a lower level, but I think he's got some some real ability as well. So there's plenty of options in there, I think. But you're going to have to go early and, and not sort of rely on sort of a project as we have done in the past.
1: And Andy, how likely do you think that is? And and if you're saying second round, are you talking the two first round picks? We go edge rusher, then tight end, then wide receiver.
2: No, because I think we'll trade down. I think there's enough. The way, particularly the way the combines panned out this week in terms of the quarterback performance and positions of. That we're not necessarily interested in, as in defensive line. I think the way it's panned out is that we're going to be spot of choice come come our choice. Mm. Uh, and there's no reason, unless we're madly in love with one of the edge rushes or, or somebody of that ilk, to just trade back and pick up some extra picks. Yeah, um, that's the way I see it fall anyway. I just um, I've thought of it all along, or the, the whole process around. we picking at twelve is exciting and all that. I'm going to get it to be honest. I think I just trade back and try and get a second rounder and, and use. Yeah, I would use the first one on defence. Um, a linebacker. It doesn't have to be an edge rusher for me, particularly if we go in free agency and pick somebody up. Um the the two guys that stood out to me were the two Devins, um the two inside guys, White and Bush, I thought they were outstanding. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding. I think Devin White is a he's a top five player for me. And I don't people don't like it because they, they have this Blake Martinez, he's He's rated this and he's rated that and he's serviceable, but like Peter alluded to earlier, there's not a place on our roster that we couldn't upgrade. Yeah,
1: um,
2: and I think we just need somebody who's going to make a difference. And if it means that Devin White's a pick, then I would be all for it. Cause I thought he was outstanding today, absolutely outstanding.
0: You know, I was going to say, Steve. I, I think it is the time to be getting those difference makers. You know, there's lots of serviceable players on the on on the roster, but those guys have have to make a difference.
1: And who? Uh, what, what are the risers and fathers for you then, P, from from looking at this combine? Has your mind been changed? And if so, or if not, I mean, how would you like the first round to pan out? Would you be okay with a trade? And if so, I mean, who are, who were the Packers looking at in that regard?
0: Uh, I've, I've long been a proponent. Yeah. Um, as I looked at it four to six weeks ago and, and kind of seriously sat down and looked at the, the guys that are likely to be available at 12, mm. uh, you know, there's there's possibly eight to 10 players there that are very close in value um, to each other or very close in ability to each other, which, you know, who you could easily switch round on the board from being one of them could easily be number seven on somebody's board and number 17 on somebody else's board. Yeah. And, and you could justify both of those. So I think there's there's eight to 10 players there that that are likely to be in and around the Packers pick. And, and, from, and from that perspective, trading down to, you know, 16, 17, if you, if you can make that work, just seems like the the best, most effective way to, mani- to manage the draft because you still end up with one of those players to fill one of the holes that you've got plus an additional probably second or third round draft pick, which then gives you the flexibility if you want to to, to either use that draft pick in the second or third round or package it back up with the number 30 pick if you suddenly find you're getting to... You know twenty or twenty one in the draft, and there's say Hawkinson still there at twenty one yeah, I don't, I exactly. don't, think, he would, don't yeah. think he would be, but if he if he is, you're then looking at that saying, actually, you know what I'm going to use that pick I just got package it up with my number one and move back up to get him yeah and I think it, yeah. it just gives you so much so much flexibility um you know that the, there's a group of three or four players at the top of the draft that you know are going in the top top four or five. there's probably a group of a couple of others that are, that are in the you know, six, seven, eight, eight range, perhaps Jonah Williams, those kind of guys. And then there's a group of all these pass rushers, the Burns, Polite, Sweat, potentially, um, Cleland Ferrell. Mm. Um, and as Andy said, the two, the two linebackers, White in particular, Hawkinson, all of those guys are likely to be there around the eighth, ninth, tenth pick. So a whole bunch of them are still going to be there at 12. So I'm absolutely in favor of trading down and picking up an, an extra pick.
1: And what, what I'd love to um, to give the listeners from from both you guys would be, because, again, I can't stress enough about how much you lads know about the, the sort of you know draft strategy, um, the history of the Packers as well. You've been um, around. I think both of you are actually there in the welcome committee for Vince Lombardi, which was great for both of you, it's fair play. Um, <laughs> so I'd love to give the listeners maybe five players that if we got two of those in the first round, that that would be seen as an absolute steal you know something that you'd be like you know that that are that are first round is just absolutely f- well we can say flawless but i suppose we don't really know how they're going to how they're going to go when they get drafted peter if you can give us five names and that if we hit at least two of those that would be likely let's say you would see that as a really fantastic first day
0: Okay. That's, that, that's not putting me on the spot. So, so, <laughs> so, so, so it, you know, it clearly depends on what happens in, 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 in free agency, but if we were to assume the draft were tomorrow, so we don't know what happens in free agency, I'm looking at Hockinson or Fant. Yeah. Either, either one of the two, two of those.
1: And do you have I'm a preference by the way in either of well, those I two think, players? I
0: think, I think Hock, Hockinson's my preference. Yeah. Um, he may be there at 12. He won't be there at 30. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a question of, uh, you know, the conversation we were, we were just having, do you take him at 12 and there's a bunch of other guys on the board? Probably not, hmm. but you know, he, he's, he's certainly going to go, I would imagine somewhere in the, in the 10 to 15 range in, in the draft. Some people are projecting him higher. Some people are projecting him to Detroit at eight. Um, but he's in that kind of area. And fence, you know, lower down in the 20 to 30, you know, bottom half of the, of the, of the first round. So I think it's just depends on Hawkinson's your preference, if you can get him, but it, but it's about the value at the pick. But if I walked away with either one of those two, and I'd like to walk away with one of them, absolutely. Cause it's time ta- It's time to draft the tight end. That's going to play for the next five years, at least yeah. you know, on that, on that first cap contract, Um we we have to assume that, that that Jimmy's going to be in his last year, whatever happens this this coming season. So it's so it's time. Um, and then you're looking at the I I think you're looking at the pass rushers, assuming that we don't get, you know, two exceptional ones in, in free agency. Then, and I think you're looking at st- still potentially looking at Jakay Polite. Uh, you know, and there's a big question mark about him after after you know, this week's combine, but let's see where his pro day goes and, and whatever. That's not right. Right. A guy off too quickly. Um, I think you're looking at Brian Burns, uh, Florida State. Um, the third one, I, I'm going to say Mont- Montes Sweat because I've always in my own mind had the three of those grouped very closely together, um, slightly different players, you know, and, and and Sweat's clearly run his forty-yard dash. It clearly, only ran thirty yards. They've clearly not <laughs> 40 yards correctly this year. Yeah. Um, um, but but I think you know I think if you end up with 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 one of those three, my struggle with Sweat and why I'm hesitant is I don't see him fitting a three-four defense. That's my struggle with Sweat because I think he's a four. I think he's a four-three defensive end. Um, he can stand up, but he but he's but he's not a you know, there's nothing to suggest that he's a three-four outside outside linebacker that you can drop into coverage. So, so he looks very much like a four-three end to me, which is clearly, you know, not not the defense that the Packers players play, stand. Peter,
2: do, does he strike you as um, a Julius Peppers clone? That's why. That's why I see when I watch him.
0: Yeah. He, so, he it's, so. Yeah. So I. So I see Peppers and I see Jadavion Clowney, um, just in the way that he's used. Yeah. You know, so so whether 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 they, you know, whether he's in a, a three-point stance as a 4-3 end or he's a 3-4 outside linebacker, he's rushing the passer. You know, I don't see him as a, as a guy that you drop back into coverage unless, you know, he's shown a lot of speed, but I, I don't think we've seen anything in, in the other tests and, in his, and what I've seen of his film, and you've probably seen more of it than me, Andy. I don't think I've seen anything in there that suggests to me that, that he's a guy that you'd have dropped back into coverage. Definitely not, no. He's very he's very stiff, isn't he?
1: Yeah. But I will say, can you imagine a scenario? and Let me paint this picture, right? So so we draft Montez Sweat. Uh, he's on the field. The quarterback is 40 yards away from him with no other players on the field. He could get to him really, really quickly. I mean, if that's one thing that we've noticed about the 40-yard dash is that he could run really, really fast <laughs> in a straight line. So that that's amazing. But yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's shocked me by how much of an... Uh, as you can tell, I hate to come by that. look,
0: like I said... I've always had the three of them, you know, um, Burns, Polite and Sweat, grouped hmm. pretty close, pretty closely together. And you just have to be. But I even have to take a step back and, and, and stop myself from being too swayed by the convoy. Because, you, you know, you've got to watch yeah. those guys kind of look like Charles Atlas, but play like Charlie Chaplin, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still and very early, Steve, the isn't politically it? politically correct version of that.
2: So, yeah, it's very early, isn't it? And I think that it's too—it's too early to get too enamored with anybody, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'm very much that. The only stage I'm at Steve, is that uh, give me an Iowa tight end, I'll be happy. Hmm. Um, put yourself in a position where you can pick, pick up an edge rusher, I'll be happy. And in the course of doing that, you should be able to pick yourself up an extra second-round pick, and you can go and snag someone like Dalton Misner. Um, and shore up the offensive line with a solid guard in the future to Brian Balaga. That would be my dream scenario, to be honest. And then if you can get Debo Samuel in, your, in, the, in the 12th pick of the second round, mm. we can all pack up and go home and forget the rest of the draft, <laughs> to be honest.
1: Like we did last year, effectively, in the draft. You, like, like
2: last year. <laughs> exactly like we did last year, yeah. it's fine. Uh, I was going to say, what we should do, uh, Steve, is uh, kick in the top of the Pops music, Remember? I used to say some risers and fallers going up in the charts is. Yeah. You should kick in the music, and I can give you a bit of a rundown <laughs> of who's who's moved up and who's moved down in the, in the draft But um, there's there's very few. I think uh, Paris Campbell, mm. the wide receiver, he he had a a great weekend, didn't he? Uh, DK Metcalf was, and we have to talk about him, don't we? He's a he's a physical freak, isn't he? Yeah. Absolutely freak. Um, is that the guy
1: with 1.6% body fat or something? People that's, like hey, uh, he was even That's alive. the guy. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolute sight to behold. Uh, I think the guard, Chris Lindstrom, had a, had a great weekend as well. Yeah, um, and I think Brian Burns and Montes, what you just talked about, I think Rashan Gary had a great weekend as well, and then the two Devins, the inside linebackers. So those guys definitely move themselves up, haven't they? Definitely move themselves up. The cool. like of Jack Polite and um, a couple of other guys, Terrell Hanks, one of the inside linebackers, haven't helped themselves too much. But like you said, have got the pro days to come, and there's a long way to go yet.
1: And Andy, let me post this to you then, because I was very interested in what you said about the wide receiver stuff. Do you, do you think that the only way that we draft a wide receiver in this draft is high? Because we're not going to yeah. get a lower round wide receiver to put into the same crop of lower round wide receivers.
2: There's no point, is there? There's yeah. absolutely no point. So you either bring somebody in who's going to start and give you some real production. And we're going to need that production because like Pete alluded to, we're, we're unproven, there's nothing else. So we're going to need that. Um, and I think we need a certain type. I think if you look at the body types of Devontae Adams, Brown, Jamon Moore, uh, Scantling, they're all very similar, aren't they? Long striders, yeah. um, tall guys. We, we need we need something a little bit different, a little bit more nifty, I think. And that's why, I like you know, Debo Samuel sits firmly at the top of my list. Paris Campbell tested really well. I think there's potential there. <clears throat> I don't know quite a lot of the pack of beat writers. are enamoured with the likes of Isabella. Who are uh, again, and Hunter Renfrew from Clemson, but they're not for me. I just don't see that in the Packers' offense. Um, but I would like to see us at the very latest round three. Otherwise, just don't bother.
1: And let me test your BSO meter here, Andy, with this one, right? Um, and again, Peter, you can come in and give me the Jukai polite treatment and start bashing me too. Um, is there <laughs> any sort of shocker scenario? It's seen as a done deal that Jimmy Graham was coming back, but. Yeah. Is there any type of scenario that you would see where the Packers go absolutely ham and they pick up the, the duo of Phantom and Hawkinson and let Graham walk? Do we see any sort of shock scenario coming?
2: I think they'll double down. I think they'll double down late in the draft and pick up someone like Sternberger or Oliver. Probably he's in round sort of four and five. Mm. So I, I really think that they'll go into to camp with potentially four tight ends, and obviously Tonyan's going to be the new George Kettle, so we'll have the best, <laughs> we'll have the best yeah. trio of white tight ends in the, in the NFL <laughs> by season opener. Um, but no, uh, well, I wouldn't be averse to it, to be honest. If we're going to be a run-heavy team and, and, and play that way, then you a know, bit of play-action mixed in. It's not the worst idea in the world, but it's best player available. But no, I can't see it. Not for me. Later on. Two tight ends, but later on.
1: Um, and Pete, would you give any credence to sort of, you know, doing something as crazy as that? Or do you see any sort of shock in this draft? Like we start going after running backs early enough when we have the likes of Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones sitting back there.
0: Um, I, would be, I would be surprised. And I, I've seen, you know, a few mock drafts come out now that, that, that have the Packers taken running back in round one. I just, uh, I don't for the life of me see that because because of the because of the holes every everywhere else, yeah. and the fact that we can pick anywhere else and improve improve the roster, yeah, you can always improve you know and and at running back um you know and and they may be looking at a guy in round three or four, a guy that can catch out of the backfield because that's yeah. you know that's kind of the nature of the of the Lafleur offense, but to be taking one early would would surprise me just because of the nature of. Of who's probably still available at that point, and 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 yeah. what we and what we need at those at those other positions. Um, now, of course, taking a long snapper early—that's always possible, because you know the Packers <laughs> have got have got to draft one of them. You know, and, it, and it's at least twelve months since we drafted a punter, so that's <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, no, no. In all seriousness, I I I don't see I don't see. Like like Andy, it's, it's quite possible we'll double down on the tight ends—one early and one and one later. Um, I just I just don't see a running back until round round three or four. Mm. There's quite
2: a few running backs, Steve, later in the later in the piece. The likes of Montgomery, the guy from Oklahoma, Justice Hill, Mike Webber from Ohio, L.J. Scott, the, the sleeper from Michigan, Miles Sanders. There's, there's a number of white uh, running backs that are probably fit the bill in terms of what we'd be looking for maybe it's a change of pace or like Peter alluded to sort of a catcher out the backfield I think there's, we'll definitely pick up one you know, one of those sorts of guys uh, but that'll probably be towards sort of round three and four at the very earliest
1: And speaking of sort of these sort of late round guys then Andy and you, and you did mention the sleeper picks, have you guys got any sort of ace in the back pocket here as to a couple of sleepers that still haven't been discovered um, that you think people should know who they are
2: a uh, couple of guys for me, I suppose, I think. Um, I like Ryan Bates, the guard from Penn State. I think he's... Um, and the guy who's the Danish background as well, Hjalty Froholt, I think he's another name to watch out for. Um, Max Sharpin, the uh, tackle from Illinois, I think he's the one to watch out for. I think he's got uh, links to the Packers yeah. um, through birth. I think he's um, one to watch out for. Um yeah, there's a few guys I like to look at. Mike Bell, a safety, Fresno. I think he's one to watch out. I think he'll be testing just now. Actually, uh, be interesting to see how he does as well. I think he's a good size, potential at safety as well. So yeah, number of guys to look out for.
0: And how about for you, Pete? Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of guys, and actually they're both quarterbacks. Um, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, and and this isn't about this isn't about drafting a guy that's going to be Rogers' replacement or anything like that. They they just happen to be two guys that I kind of. I like and have and have liked for for, for quite some time. So, mm. um, and one of them has 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 tested particularly well this this weekend. But um, Eastern Stick from, what's this, one of the greatest names in the draft, not <laughs> not quite on the Rocky nah, Sin know, level, No, no Rocky level. No, who is? But but so Eastern Stick at North Dakota State. So very small school, but very successful in terms of winning championships at that at that level. Big, strong-armed guy has um, tested very well at the combine this week so so you know if if he were to drop to i don't know the fifth fifth sixth round then that's a guy that that, that would be interesting to me and i think whichever team gets him and somebody will draft him you know he'll he'll be interesting for that team yeah um, and the other one's the quarterback at penn State trace McSorley, um, who's a great athlete so he's one of those guys that doesn't have a great arm, but he's a great athlete. He's a great runner. He's um, a leader, and he's an athlete guy that's probably going to make his way if he gets the opportunity. And these guys very rarely work out, but there's, there's always a shot at, shot at it uh, in a different position, perhaps a defensive back, perhaps you know, possibly at safety, possibly even at, even at wide receiver. And because he's going to probably have to change position, that that makes the chances of him actually working out pretty slim. But he's an interesting he's an interesting guy, and it will be interesting just to watch what his story is and where and where he goes.
1: Yeah, interesting as well that uh, the quarterbacks. I, I was sort of thinking that myself, but I get because that that was the other thing I was sort of thinking like, did they go shocker and so try, try draft someone high? But of course, the answer to that's going to be no, especially with the comments that you see a man the floor coming out and sort of saying. Oh yeah, that Aaron Rodgers to have plenty to choose from from two plays. <laughs> it's kind of like there's Carson in on own opposite. I, mean, I don't.
0: Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't actually think they'll draft the quarterback. Yeah. So 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 having given you all that blurb, I don't think they'll draft either of those guys. But I but I think they're, they're interesting guys for different reasons.
1: Yeah, it it is. Do you know what? It's it's definitely some mental bubble going because it it'd be nice to. Um, that was fun to say. Uh, it it might be nice to to see some other competition come in behind, because again, that's a position that, especially because we talk about injuries, um, you know, if Devontae Adams goes down, you know, we're in a lot of trouble potentially, and then you look at the likes of what's been happening, you know, with Aaron Rodgers' health and all the rest, and the fact that he avoided surgery this off-season, and the kind of interest around that, and, and how strong he's going to come back, and then other people saying that he's getting older, he's getting more injured, his, you know, his, his talent level's coming down, and whatever anybody thinks about that, you know, we need someone at, at quarterback, be it a veteran or someone to actually challenge seriously. Um, but again, maybe that's not something you get in the draft. An interesting storyline that has surfaced, though, lads, is the fact that um Josh Sitton is rumored to be on the chopping block for Miami and TJ Lang is reportedly going to be let go by the Lions. Um, Andy, how do you feel about bringing any of those back to shore up the issues on the O line? Or is it literally just replacing an injured Brian Balaga with a soon to be injured Sitton and Lang? You know, I mean, are we just replacing no lineman with potentially, you know, injury-prone linemen at this stage? If if we even consider that,
2: it's tough, isn't it? It's a tough one. I quite there's quite a number of guards in the draft that I like, and I think it's probably time to move forward. If I was going to propensity to lean towards one or the other, it would be TJ Lang. I think it would be the only door that would be open. I don't think the Josh Sitton departure went down too well, did it? So yeah. I I don't think that's a an option yeah. for us. Um, TJ Lang but even that would be a small percentage uh, wouldn't be averse to it if it's uh, something that we don't address in the draft but I'd like to see us just bring somebody in who's uh, you know who's going to be there for the next three or four years and give us some stability because the rest of the offensive line is it plays at a high level um, mm. and I'd just like us to see you know address that particularly with the way Rogers plays um, you know it's his it's key for his throwing motion for the way he operates best at that, that guard position. is showed up and, and made sure that we we're we we're sort of ideally somebody who's gonna be able to sort of play at centre because we've we've been in a luxury position where Corey Lindsay's played every snap for the last, you know, year and a half and you know, Sods Law Touchwood and all that sort of stuff that something happens, you know, next season. You can't rely on that to just be a consecutive year after year after year in such a tough position.
0: Yeah, absolutely I think we touched on Dalton Reisner last week's last week's pod, because I, I think that guy can come in and play, you know, he's your long-term right tackle probably, but if you can come in and play right guard, I think that, um, I think there's there's your problem solved. So he would be the, my other name that actually Andy Reis, and I'd throw him into the mix of potential first round picks at 30. If you walked away with him, you'd say, yeah, because it helps you potentially out-tackle and at, and at guard. Um, I think Andy mentioned Chris Lindstrom as well, uh, I think he's a good player. There's nobody really in free agency other than Roger Saffold of, of the Rams, and I think he's older than I am. Um, <laughs> um, By geez, they're an old bunch of journeymen, aren't they? The guys. No, God, a yeah, grief. You wouldn't
2: want to be up yeah. there, would you? Take jumping
0: no. in middle. No. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know, and, and somebody's <laughs> going to pay Saffold about ten million a year—that kind of number. They're going to give him, Reef. you know, yeah. you know, twenty million over two years or something ridiculous like that, and, and he's just not in the current market and the current position of the packers he's just not worth it. he's a luxury they can't afford.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, from from speaking to the two years and from reading just, you know, swades of of articles and scout reports and draft reports and all the rest, it seems like at some of the positions that we need this draft is very deep and that there's an awful lot of value to be had from it. Um, now I'm sort of a proponent that the packers are still a team in transition that kind of bore out this year um and i still think that that's going to be the case obviously because we have a new coach and staff and it's, that's going to take a while for that system to bed down how fast like i i certainly don't know i don't know if you guys want to opine on that but if we can hit some of the spots that we expect to hit this year andy how do you feel we are set now again this is again massively crystal ball and, and i kind of understand that but i guess if we put you as Matt LaFleur and you're looking at this team and you're looking at the talent levels and how far we could potentially go, do you see that the Packers, you know, get back to some form of, and I'm not even going to say dominance because the division is actually quite strong now, but mm-hmm. do we pull ourselves up out of the mire that we see ourselves in? Um, Because of all these articles that are out there saying, oh, the Packers can fix all their problems in this draft, they just need to do it right. Do you think <laughs> that's true? Or would you still say that there's a, you know, maybe... I don't know, a best before end date on this team in the sense that, you know, working in reverse, that they need maybe another draft or two under Gudekunst and under the stewardship of Lafleur to see how that experiment goes. All of this being massive guesswork. For us to be anything like what we were, uh, you know, back at, at our Super Bowl run or thereafter before we got dumped out in the playoffs.
2: Well, I think what people are beginning to realise is you in the NFL, you have to win in the off-season. And what I mean by that is you have to coach. You have to pick up the right calibre of coaches. You have to win at the draft. You have to win at free agency. and You pretty much have to win across the board. You can't bring in the right coaches and then draft poorly and pick no free agents up. You can see what's happened with the Packers and the, and the sort of under Ted Thompson towards the end of his tenure that the additions of coaches, albeit for me to say, seemed on the outside quite poor, um, particularly on special teams and, and, and various important areas. Um, we didn't really compete in free agency. Uh, and, and when you miss it, the draft, um, it's a it's a bad trifecta to have, and it's going to take a couple of years for that sort of those ills to be corrected. Um, I think on the face of it, the coaching decisions that we've made should make us stronger. I think the defense in year two will be stronger than it was last year. Yeah. Um, and if we win in the off season in terms of free agency, and add two key pieces to the defense minimum, um, and draft well, I think the defense in particular will be in good shape. Um, offensively it's just I, I don't think we'll know until week one we really don't know what we're going to see do we there's not a lot of to go off for albeit that LeFleur has got his ideals I don't think we saw a lot in Tennessee because of the injuries that the Titans had um, he didn't call plays in LA he didn't call plays in Atlanta for all he will have picked up a lot of nuances and, and sort of schemes from, from his time in those ball clubs we, we don't really know what we've got do we and he's working with an all pro quarterback that, that really needs to be invigorated and Re-energized. Um, it's possible if we hit, hit home runs in the draft. It's possible, and if we hit the home runs in the in the free agency, it's it's very possible because the NFL, if nothing has told us that, isn't it? That any given year, anyone's got a chance. So, but you, you've got to win in the off season and you've got to win big. Um, the, the Rams would be a perfect example of that. Yeah. They've won in free agency the last two years. They've won on coaching, obviously big style, and they've drafted well. Uh, the likes of Cooper Cup and and people of that ilk so you've got to win the off-season and that's why it's fun for me because it's great to watch and you pretty much know going in September whether you've made the right decisions or not Uh, and people sort of you know, sometimes, particularly in Packer world live in a bubble, don't they? And they think all's rosy and everything's going to be great and we're going to win it all. And, and I'm sat there thinking, uh, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. And for all, you want it to be great. And then they given Sunday, somebody you want to, you know, you just know when you've got that roster that's going to compete and that coaching network that's going to compete and, and make it happen. You just know, you know, at the start of 96, you knew, you know, at the start of 2010, for albeit, it was a bit of a rocky road. By the time we got into the playoffs, you pretty much knew we had that momentum and we had a way of playing that was going to get us all the way. And, mm. um, and I haven't felt that for quite a while.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and Peter, optimistic or Do you think that this is a this is a rebuild job?
0: I think it's undoubtedly a rebuild. I, th- I think it's just a case of of how quickly the rebuild can take place. It, the NFL is a, f- a funny a funny beast. You know, when you look at when you look at the Packers games from last year, you know, quite a number of the defeats were close. You know, you look at the Rams game and, and the New England game when the Packers were in it all the way through to, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, the Seattle game. If you turn those three around, all of a sudden, you know, you're 9-6-1 and one, and yeah. you're either in the playoffs or on the verge of the playoffs. So, you, so, you, so you're very close. But conversely, you know, the Packers only won two games, Buffalo and Miami, um, in, clo- you know, in, in kind of um, big fashion. So all of, their, all of their wins other than that were, were very close games. So those could easily have gone the other way as well. Yeah. And, you know, I looked at 2017 and I remember tweeting about this, that 20 points away from being two and 14. Mm. So, so there tends to be not a lot of points between, you know, let's say five wins and 10 wins. And, and almost any team that's in that range can end up with, with one of those records. I think what you have to have... Um, you have to win in the off season as Andy has absolutely, you know, described. I think you also have you have to have I think three star skill players on offense. And I think the Packers have two in Adams and, and, and Rogers. Jones could be the third, but I think, you know, you absolutely have to have one that's an all pro or pro bowl level skill player. Mm. Um, you know, whether that's Jones, whether that's another wide receiver, whether that's a tight end, I think you have to have the third one. Um, And you have to have an all pro level player either on the defensive line or or at linebacker um, because you've got to be able to put pressure on the passer. And that doesn't necessarily mean sacks, but you've got to be able to put consistent pressure on the on on the passer. And the Packers don't have that guy. They have some really good guys. uh, You know, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels are right. You know, they're in the top 10 to 20 at their positions. Um, But we don't have an Aaron Donald or that kind of outstanding superstar player on at the front end of the defense. And we have to find one.
1: In
2: the words of Reggie White, we don't dominate, do we? We don't dominate in any area. Despite PFF's uh, best efforts, who claim that we graded out the best in several areas, we don't. Mm. We don't. We don't dominate in any area. And that's the problem, isn't it? We don't have... An identity on defense, yeah. Yep. Uh, and as the offense has sort of tailed away the last sort of two years, we don't really have an identity on offense. To be fair, mm. what was a Rod's show is—it's become something a little bit different the last couple of years, has not it? So yep. we need to find do- people who
0: dominate uh, that are all pro level uh,
2: and, a, and a, a sort of playmakers, really. I suppose is the word, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I, and I think I think I think that the the reason to be optimistic is that unless something goes bizarrely astray through free agency in the draft, we're going to get players that make this team better. Yeah. Because we're not, because we're not really on the face of it, hopefully losing any, but you know, we're not losing an all pro here and no. a pro bowl no. player there and a top notch player there through free agent. We're not losing any of those guys. Mm. So, so it just looks to me like, Free agency in the draft, unless something bizarre happens, is a complete win-win for the Packers. Yeah, it's a free shot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's a, I think it's so. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Very so good point, Steve. As well. Yeah, I mean, very, very good point. Because I guess that's that's the that's the thing that used to always strike us when we used to you know look ahead and see the players that are going to hit free agency and be like, oh no, here we go again. There goes Micah Hyde, or you know, it's always a player that goes out and then yeah. does well elsewhere. Um, but I think. I guess in that regard, we've been quite fortunate that the Haha Clinton Diggs we got a steal for. Um, you know, someone who was seemingly. Uh, <laughs> Andy <laughs> wants
0: to back, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah one of those top tier guys, Andy, that could potentially be brought back in. We, yeah. We've
2: offered him a fourth round pick and Jordan Wallison. Uh, and Cooper <laughs> Davis is right for him back. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, yeah, if anyone, uh, you, by the way, follow at, uh, Pooley Shrew at IT Hedgehog, Um <laughs> if you're looking for some some hot takes, but you're not going to find anything uh, too. Uh, complimentary I guess on Andy's timeline for haha <laughs> Clinton Dix definitely going to add Steady the NFL I've been dogging him since he missed Andrew Luck when they were the you know tipped as the worst team that the Packers could face never let him get over that thing and I think it was my <laughs> lack of support that really made him go downhill if I'm really honest um, but yeah I, like it's that's true too lads I mean anybody that we lose it's not as if you know uh the Packers are doing the usual. There's a player that has good potential. We're potentially using him slightly out of position. So we either don't see his value or refuse to play him where we should play him. Um no Demarius Randall, I'm not looking at you. Um and we let them go. And I think that at least now, as you say, we it can only get better. And even with the sort of semi-controversial Nick Perry, uh, Clay Matthews style chatter, um, I think it's usually the people that have fell asleep um in 2011 12 that look back and sort of go oh god I can't believe Matthews is going to go what he is doing you know and as much as a fantastic player that he has been for this team um and maybe they have a really creative way to use him but me personally I think um that as great as he was I've not been not that I'm saying I've been down on him uh, over the last number of years but do certainly see uh you know the rationale for letting him go yeah. I, I, I don't know. He looks like a
2: guy to me, desperate for the West Coast. That's how he looks to me. Yeah, he looks like a guy who wants to go and you know see how his last couple of years playing for San Diego or San Francisco or somewhere a little bit warmer than Green Bay in the middle of November.
1: And I guess he's earned it. Oh, absolutely,
2: yeah, a legend. No, no, absolute legend. And, and and you're right. If it was a creative way to get him back at the ball club at a rate of pay we could afford, mm. I, I wouldn't be averse to that because I think he can still be a disruptive force if he's used in the correct way. Absolutely. But I think he's deserved the right to earn yeah. the amount of dollars that he needs to go and earn, and, and I wouldn't begrudge him it. But I think he does, you know. I think
1: it.
2: Uh, I'll be surprised if it's not a West Coast team. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, and uh, fair play to him. I, and again, we could ask Peter to weigh in on this, but Peter has some pretty close ties <laughs> to the Matthews family, so yeah, yeah, we might get some glowing reviews, will we, Pete?
0: Well, uh, I, I just think I think the general point is, you know, with with Perry Matthews and, and those, because you have to make a decision. And stick by your decision, and 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 if you know, if if for example, I decided to cut to cut Perry, and it you know, it feels like that's where this is where this is going. We could all sit here today and understand the reasons why.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, last two years haven't been great. It costs a lot of money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If he goes somewhere else and then gets ten sacks next year, we, you just have to sit there and say good luck to him.
1: Mm.
0: Because if yeah. he gets ten sacks at wherever next year, that doesn't mean he would have got ten sacks in the Packers defense. We just don't know. So I think you just have to, you know, once you've decided to move on, you move on and they're gone. As harsh, as harsh as that might sound, that's, that's, that's the way it is.
1: And we, we really can't expect players to really hit the same potential as Kyler Fackrell. I think that's what we're saying here. Um, is that, you know, you need to keep a level head and, uh, we all don't have that innate talent after three, four years. Um, <laughs> I've been very biting in this podcast. Haven't I? Do you know what it is? Do you know, what's annoyed me today, that, um, you know where you get these Facebook notifications to say, here's a memory from 10 years ago, right? Um, And I was getting these memories and I was looking at the clothes I was wearing and I was wearing the same thing, looking at my phone about memories from 10 years ago. So it's kind of like, okay, right, it's time to upgrade the goddamn wardrobe here, right? So I was going out and buying clothes and I've done a good job of it, but I've got to the stage now where I'm looking at socks and jocks. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not socking and jocking from 10 years ago here um But I'm sort of thinking, you know what, if I'm going to fancy up me, uh, if I'm going to buy a blazer and a couple of nice shirts, well, then I might as well get a nice pair of socks to go with it. I don't know if you have had this problem, but if you ever went into any man section, if you're looking for shirts, looking for pants, looking for jocks, looking for whatever, there's always at least four women in the man section in the section that you're looking for. And I was in uh, Marks and Sparks today, lads, and I was looking for a pair of socks with a shark on it to please the sun because he loves sharks, right? And that's how I pick my clothes nowadays. And there was at least four women in the boxer section. And I just, I don't know whether my beef is with the women in the section and to just go away, or whether it's the lads who won't go into that section and get their wives to have to dress them. I think it's the lads' fault, if I'm honest. <laughs> and I don't i don't know if uh, if any of your partners do it, lads, where they have to go in and come back home and say, right, I'm after buying you a pack of boxers, those are the ones that the elastic was ruined, right? Um, uh, I and have it's sock
2: issue, Steve. I have sock issues. That's my problem. Sock she's, issues. She's... she's, she's- He's gone to bed now so I can say all I want my, <laughs> my, my socks go in together and come back as singletons that, that's the issue I've got <laughs> and then um, we, had, we had a competition at work the week and it was a, a lottery based incentive uh, and I'm, I was fortunate enough to win the competition yeah. and the choice of the prizes was, was various you know high flying lottery prizes but one of the choices was Three pairs of socks a month for six months. And I snapped their hands off. So, <laughs> so, so they were like, do you not you don't want the Ferrari? No, no. Do you not want the holiday to the Maldives? No, no, no. Three pairs of socks per month for the next six months. Give me 18 pairs of socks. Yes, bring me in.
1: I tell you what, and I used to look at those old footy-duty presents. You know, you'd look back to the 50s, the, the kids buying the dad, uh, you know, a handkerchief for his suit pocket or a pair of socks. And I was thinking, Jesus, you know, shoot me if I ever get to shoot that me. stage. <laughs> like you say, a nice pair of socks now. I mean, uh, you know, Jesus from Savile Row, bring it on. But I'm yep. just saying, now, I've looked at the demographics because there's an awful lot of stats behind the podcast and we do well, but we do particularly well with, with men. So for the 5% of women that are listening, Get out of the just socks and jocks section. Go online. All right. Stop making me feel uncomfortable looking for boxers that they call keyhole boxers. I'm not going to explain it for the fellas who are making the wives go in and shop for boxers for them lads. If the if you know if the skid marks are unsurmountable, get out into the shop, will you? And start <laughs> shopping for your own boxers and jocks and socks here, and stop making me feel uncomfortable with your misses in there. You know, pulling and doing the whole stretchy elastic thing and all that for Jesus' sake, making me blush, Pete. <laughs> Are you a man now who sends the misses out after the bins and the clothes, or are you quite capable I was, of heading I was to the lost store yourself? About,
0: I was lost about ten minutes ago. I was I thought, <laughs> I thought I'd suddenly appeared in the you know the Mark Spencer's weekly podcast or something. Yeah. Um, well, I, see, I have a problem. I have a problem with socks as well, but that's that's with the dogs running off with them. Yeah. But only one of them, clearly one from every pair that I've got, and then and then all of a sudden six months later they'll turn up with that particular sock, like they've got a stash of socks somewhere yeah um, but no, that's my that's my biggest problem oh, well, and, I, and i guess the other one is uh, you know gradually gradually increasing in size as one gets older
1: yeah
0: i've i've got lots of lots of clothes in the wardrobe that clearly at some point i'm going to diet back into <laughs> yeah <laughs> so those you know those shirts and stuff that i've got from 1974 i'm still going to get into those at some point
1: oh yeah they're, they're coming Coming back in fashion, but you should send your dog around Andy's gaff, and maybe between the two years they could give back some of the socks that they robbed, and Andy, you will have a you'll have a full pair.
2: I have a I have a Singleton's club. I leave them in the basket. hoping one day they can be reunited. <laughs> but, but, but it just does it? You know, <laughs> after so long, you just feel a little bit sorry for them, end up throwing them away, and then all of a sudden, their cousin turns up three weeks later, like oh, <laughs> and there you were.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, I'd I'd be looking at the next door neighbour. Someone quite clearly has a foot fetish for you, Andy. I think they're they're nicking some uh, socks off the line. No, I'm worried.
2: I'm more worried about Peter's shirts because his dogs are running off. His wife's running off to the bin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm thinking it's either your shirts or it's your war room. One of the two
0: having a negative effect on these people and, and animals. Oh well, yeah. Well, to be to be fair, Ronda Ronda and I were sitting here watching the combine together this morning. Oh no, that's not right, is it? That's not yeah. right. <laughs> I think
1: that, That's that's the first step before divorce. She was I mean, asking there and watching...
0: of questions about about arm length sh- and.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you start to get suspicious when she gets too interested in measurements and lengths and sort of all that kind of stuff and then she runs away with the bins. Um, yeah,
2: we're going down a road I can't follow. <laughs> no,
1: I think, we, yeah, this, this will happen at the end of the podcast. Right, lads, apart from any other shockers that just came from that conversation, has anybody else got any other business to raise in the podcast or will we call it a day?
2: My tip for the JSD would be, we were, we were using the Alexa. If you use that, Steve, you know, the little gadgets you put in the corner of your room from Amazon
0: Not and you say... T-
2: too paranoid so me and Amber were doing little dances in the front room so you baby shark you know play yeah. baby shark oh I'm just going to pop on here <laughs> play baby shark play you know uh, all the various kids nursery rhymes mm. and I was trying to think of the one what's it's the roll over one where you say um, you know there's five in the bed and the little one said roll over yeah. so I said play three in a bed <laughs> you don't <laughs> you, you don't want to know what came up on Alexa <laughs> well, I can
1: so my imagine.
2: tip my tip of the day was this, don't tell Alexa to play a three-in-a-bed while you've got a two-year-old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that, um, that calls a quits on the podcast. It was a great podcast, lads, it was a draft podcast. So if anyone wants to draft coverage, you can get onto ukparkers.co.uk but I'd strongly advise that you follow at hedgehog and at Pooley Shrew um, for some nice little tidbits and nice conversation starters um, and you know it's a, it's all well measured no BS stuff and of course you can follow at Steady the NFL um, I can't really give you a reason why you do it maybe some jocks and socks advice um, or something like that but follow the group at UK Packers hit the Instagram at UK Packers and make sure you get on the Facebook and follow the group at UK Packers but from myself Steve and from the good boys um, Peter and Andy it's goodbye for this week goodbye goodbye mate.